cliffcentral.com Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central. So good to be with you, Luby. Don't be. start. <laughs> I know you I, I can see your face. Can't we keep it under wraps? No, no, we can't. Uh, but it's not under wraps anyway because it's all over <laughs> social media. Congratulations. How does it feel to be recognized the way that um, you have been in the craft that you love? I think that future CEOs have really given me the tools to play the waiting game but with rigor and with tenacity and with resilience so that at the end of the day, um, good things comes to those who wait. And and work hard while and they wait. And work hard while they wait. <laughs> so, yes, welcome to Future CEOs. Yay. If you can say, yes, I'm a future CEO, well, then this is the show for you. What do we try and do here? We try and bridge the gap between those that have been successful and those of you who are really trying to either fast track your career or grow your business. Um, on an ongoing basis, we have very interesting conversations, very interesting guests. Today is no different. At the half hour, what are we talking about So when, when, we, <gasps> when we switch over? What are we talking about? It's a big thing. It's a big thing. South Africans in debt. South Africans Why in debt. Why are we a nation of debtors and non-financial players and non-savers? We're going to touch on that at half past one. And it's such a, a fundamental part of your developmental journey because if you don't have the money to develop yourself, well, then you get stuck, really. But that's at half past. Right now, we've got two guests here who are, are quite remarkable in their own right. I, I guess we must always do what we always do, which is to get them to introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. Who should we start with? The Rose. The Rose, of course. <laughs> um, well, welcome to studio. It's good to have you here. Just tell everyone who you are and why you are here. Thank you. It's really, really good to be here. Um, I'm Mpomek Chambers, and I'm the CEO and founder of Kula Education Group, formerly, formerly known as Viria. We've had to do a major name change um, for many different reasons. And what we do is skills development and training for people living with disabilities. So wow, that they've got I love it. Yeah, so that yeah. they've got increased access to education and skills and work. Uh, because everyone deserves it. It was Human Rights Day. Let's celebrate the right to education and do it the right way. Very, very, very nice. Uh, and uh, would you regard yourself as a social entrepreneur then? I guess that's what, what you would coin yourself as? Yeah, although I do prefer to call myself an impact entrepreneur, impact, trying to have yes. impact in this world. The it. first time I say to somebody I'm a social entrepreneur, they ask me if I socialize, if, I, huh. if it's a thing now, you know, it's a business. Um, so there's still a lot of misconceptions around what social entrepreneurship is. But when you say you're an impact entrepreneur, people kind of sort of have a sense of what you do. Yep. Yep. And, I love your work. I love your work. Uh, Josh, I heard a little bit of a, a laugh come out there. While we were talking about the social entrepreneur introduction thing, have you done that before? And you, people wonder what the heck you do. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so being a, a social entrepreneur, uh, you know, people can't really distinguish between that and actually being an entrepreneur in itself. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, what an entrepreneur is, is he's finding a sort of uh, gap in two markets. And essentially, if anybody's really uh, willing to part with their money, for your product, mm. um, you, you're basically creating uh, employment for mm. others and business uh, in a whole. Yeah. And often, though, I think there's the difference between, uh, I guess, the, a true social entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. Someone might say, well, we're creating employment, so we're social entrepreneurs. Well, not really, because social entrepreneurs are there to to uh, take advantage of a gap that exists in the social, uh, I guess, social fabric of society and then uh, really deliver to that but make a <clears throat> Make some money while they do it to keep it sustainable. Yeah. And yeah. I th- 
Yep, I think okay. one, one of the major differences um, is that also in organizations that are not social enterprises per se, you know, the shareholders will take their profit. Mm. If you make a hundred million, you all split it and you're good. Mm. But with social enterprises, it's always about how can we use this sum of money or this profit to put it back into our mission mm. so that we grow in our impact but also remain sustainable. Mm. So there are businesses, for-profit businesses doing good work, but they're not necessarily social enterprises mm. for as long as their shareholders, you know, pocket a lot of uh, the money at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. Josh, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. So essentially um, what we are is it's myself and another engineer, Dale Isaac Gang, and we've started a platform that essentially allows uh, people to use their kitchens and their dining areas to cater for their community in a sense. Um, so it, it's essentially a sharing economy app, uh, very similar to Airbnb and Uber. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Basically, at the end of the day, you know, if you've got the skills and if you've got the facility, what's stopping you from making use of that, um, you know, in your in your sort of community? I love the innovation between these two. No, no, I do as well. I think what, what we must do is we must dig into who they are and their backgrounds. But okay. before we do that, let's just dis- dig and ask about the businesses themselves. So where these ideas came from? Josh, you were just speaking about it. Where did this idea come from? How, yeah. how did it come about? Uh, 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 Sharing my kitchen is not something that would come naturally to me as a business idea. Mm. Where is this? What is it? Um, essentially, the way it started, it's actually, you know, myself and my partner, we were busy thinking about, uh, if you think about like society a couple of hundred years ago, uh, people lived in villages and everybody had their own role. Mm. You had your blacksmith, your fishmonger, you know, whatever, wherever you lived. And uh, everybody had their role to play. Um, and then came the industrial revolution mm. where things got very centralized. Mm. Um, a lot of barriers were built, uh, and a lot of wealth became sort of, uh, created in, in monopolies or oligarchies, if you mm. will. Um, which kind of left the little guy sort of, uh, in a very difficult situation. Yeah. So at the mercy of these systems. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, what we're seeing now with the advent of technology, it's, uh, it's really helping to break down those barriers. Um, I mean, you've got Uber, where if you've got a car and a license, you can essentially mm-hmm. drive uh, somebody around for money. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Airbnb, where if you've got a home and a mm-hmm. spare room, you can basically rent that out to other people. And then, you know, essentially what we were thinking is, what happens if you have a kitchen and can cook? And there isn't really something that enables people with that uh, ability to then uh, take advantage of that. And there really shouldn't be any reason why that's not so. Mm. Very, very nice. Uh, It's so innovative. Uh, Technology really is opening up so much space. Um, Paul, you're in the the training space. Disabilities. Uh, Where did this come from? Well, my mother was the headmistress of a school for deaf and blind learners okay. in, in rural Limpopo. Okay. So the learners, they were almost like family, really, you know. And it pained me for the longest time that such intelligent, capable, you know, people in our community don't have access to opportunity mm. because of communities. Uh, stigma, prejudice, Correct. and discrimination. You know, so I, I never really thought I'd do anything about it uh, until I got to 
late high school. And I thought, no, man, there must be something I can do. And I saw that everybody who's in the disability space is sort of running NPOs, um, mm. fundraising models mm. are, are what they rely on. But the business brain inside of me and then the change maker brain sort of came together and said, wait, hang on, how can we form a business around improving the lives of people with disability and have strategy and be sustainable? And that's when my brain started ticking. And so in 2013, I decided this is it. This is what I'm going to dedicate my life to. And at that time, I was a television presenter and, you know, I was on radio as well. And I decided to leave that to just jump into this uh, because I felt it was very important to apply whatever skills and talents that I have to serve the communities I can serve. Mm. Should we talk a bit about the accelerator program? Absolutely. We want to know how it's upscaled your ventures as entrepreneurs to be accepted into this program, what it meant to you, what processes you had to be through, and what do you actually think about it? Yeah. And, and by the way, Palace is not here today. So yeah, that's, 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 the country and manager of Radio. And that's what I'm saying. What do you actually yeah. think about Palisa, it? Palace, just uh, turn your radio off. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we really want to hear your experience. Right. Okay, let's start yeah. with you, Josh. Um, I thought overall it was a really excellent experience. Um, essentially for the whole week, you're having your whole, the fundamentals of your idea challenged. And it really, um, seems to give you perspective. You know, you come out different, mm. think about the business completely different at mm. the end of the week. Uh, especially having, such uh, brilliant other entrepreneurs you sitting know, with you. Yeah, as well. exactly the point. I'm sorry to interject. We went to a Spark kind of same setup yeah, last the, the year. The demo day. The demo day. And the entrepreneurs that were there, Josh and Paul, were on such a high caliber, young, but across all South African board, all social parts of life, but their ideas and they were so prophetic about what they believed in. So I can imagine, I would have loved to have seen the other people that were in your group, actually. It would have been very interesting. Continue, sir. Um, and, you know, having their sort of feedback during the, the, the whole week um, really helped a lot. And mm. so, like I said, g- gave you a lot of p- perspective. And also the course is very practical. Um, you know, you can easily go online and, and learn a whole lot of fundamentals like lifetime value mm. uh, and users and all that kind of stuff. Whereas in this course, um, Palesa and Aaron are teaching you how to network, how to go meet, walk up to people, investors, all that kind of stuff, start a conversation. Um, and there was, like they say, an, an MBA in a day where they do actually go through all the sort of technicalities and that. So it was, it was really good. Tr- How was it for you? I, d- I just hold on. On that point, yeah. I, I'm trying to find something that was sent to me this morning. It was a lovely quote. Uh, here it is. Understanding is deeper than knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think right, I've, I heard you right, just said. That right. They take you through a process of right. understanding yeah. more than just this process of gaining right, or gleaning right. knowledge. And understanding is the application of knowledge. You oh, know. Oh, and sometimes the failed application the of failed knowledge application and then the reapplication of, well. of that yeah, knowledge again. Yeah. Well, you know what? For me, the Spark Accelerator literally changed my life and my business. I say that because I was stuck in a rut. I didn't know if I could continue doing this. I considered going back to TV. I really just didn't know what to do. Mm. And the resources are there online to help you as an entrepreneur, but you do need that camaraderie. You do need the association mm. of great minds who believe in what you do. Mm. And that's what the accelerator was to me. Look, the information you get in a week, you can get anywhere. But what Spark has given me is, a, 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 Oprah calls it her kitchen 
cabinet So he, she's like Whenever I'm going through something in life I bring Gail And I bring this person I bring this person We sit in my kitchen And they help me through it So Spark has been that for me My kitchen cabinet I bounce my ideas off of the leaders of Spark I'm constantly speaking to Balissa About strategy and growth and development And for me That's where the gold sits is in taking what the accelerator has to offer you and running with it for as long as you can. Because the truth is there's so many programs out there and you find entrepreneurs hopping from one to the other. I They're know. like professional accelerator attendants. And, and there's so many accelerator programs out, out there, there because they know the hunger exactly. of so entrepreneurs. A lot know. of entrepreneurs hop from one to the other. It's been three years going from incubator to incubator and accelerator to accelerator, but gaining nothing. So what's really helped me with this particular accelerator is that I said, this is the one and whatever they have to offer me, I am running with it mm. full speed even if i don't think i need it i need to revisit what my needs are and and take from spark what i can and so they've really turned my business around by giving me such a platform you know what i love about accelerators about uh, incubators as well is the fact that they challenge your thinking on an ongoing basis and too many of us we don't like to be challenged we think um, I don't know if it's, if, is it a pride thing? Is it an ego thing? But we, we want to be right instead of we want to be successful. Mm. Uh, we want to justify our existence instead of living in truth. Right. It's, it's a very interesting that's, world. That's really hit me hard in my journey. Uh, I'm only now starting to learn that. Mm. Uh, wanting to be right about things is, is a nature of mine. I haven't been able to shake off for quite some time. And it affected my business until somebody said to me, you know that there's nothing wrong with being wrong if wrong is what you need to be at that point in time to get to be right. Yeah, exactly. Nice in future. So I have really had to let go of that. You can't be right. hire people who are right at what they do mm. and, and, and manage and engage with a team of other people who are right in their field. You can't be right about everything. Well, what does Steve Jobs say? Uh, he, he speaks about how we must uh, pull in the, the, the best people around us so that they can tell us mm. what to do instead of us then trying to... You don't hire yeah. smart yeah. people to tell them what and to do. And hire people who are smarter there than you. There we go. Better you, than you. You've got yeah. the quote yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, very nice. Um, Josh, uh, so after that week, what happens then? So essentially, uh, we launched the platform now in Cape Town. And um, to be honest, something happened to me after uh, the accelerator. I was standing on a, a train uh, on the way back, the Gau train, and it started shaking in a tunnel. And uh, that combined with speaking to a lady after we did our pitches and that kind of stuff. And uh, she's like, great concept, all that kind of stuff. Um, but your home-cooked food, what happens if she uses her hands? And she she literally shivered. So I was like, okay. Um, and I was thinking about that. And then on the train, you know, I was a little bit worried. This thing's shaking. And then everybody else was very relaxed on their phones and that kind of stuff. And with anything, if it's different, but the reason people aren't scared on the train is because the trains have been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, anything that's different, uh, people become uh, scared of it. And, you know, the, there's always like the uh, sort of quality uh, thing in the back of the mind with home cook cooking. But you go home or you go to a friend's place and uh, you sit down and, and they make you dinner. You don't say to them, sorry, can I just see your uh, health and hygiene <laughs> certificate quickly? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and everybody, um, everybody cooks every night. Why, why should you not be able to do it for others? So what we're actually doing at the moment is we're building a reputation for you kitchen. And essentially at right now it's just for chefs. Um, and, 
so we've been been live for about two weeks and it's really been uh, phenomenal like we've we've had a couple of transactions go through very nice and and both parties the chefs and the and the guests which who are locals love the experience mm-hmm. uh, we've got one guy um Lapo, who's a, who's an italian and he's actually been doing it from home for a while mm. he does a three course thing he talks about how he sources the food mm. all that kind of stuff yeah there's a, there's a story that you can weave into it isn't there exactly fantastic um andre another chef he takes guys up lion's head and cooks for them over there very nice so if locals are loving it i mean just imagine tourists and all that kind of stuff the, what's that show on tv there's a show about doing this kind of thing isn't there um, where people come over and you cook for them dine with me dine with me come dine with me yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. so there's not too foreign I mean people shouldn't shake too much exactly right? yeah and Paul let's talk about your journey a little bit mm-hmm. uh, you've been doing this for quite a long time Relatively, uh, about four, three and a half years. Okay, so three and a half years. Technically, in, yeah. in the in the life cycle of any business, um, there's a lot of failure that happens <laughs> uh, that can happen. Uh, talk us through a couple of failures that you have been through that you've learned a great deal from. Tell us some stories. I failed at everything. Uh, <laughs> everything. Okay. Because <laughs> I was failing myself on the journey. Here's the thing that I've learned in the past three years. As an entrepreneur, mastering yourself is as important as mastering your business. If you're not in the right frame of mind for success, if you don't think that you can achieve these big, bold goals for social change or whatever your mission is, Mm -hmm. you're going to fail at everything. It infiltrates. So for me, over the last three years, it's like whatever money issues I had in my personal life, because I hadn't mastered that, I superimposed onto my business finances. Mm. Whatever insecurities that I had about my ability to cope with pressure, I superimposed that onto my business. And whenever things weren't going right, I crumbled. Mm. So now I'm in a a place of self-assuredness. I'm more confident. I'm grounded. But that took a lot of personal introspection, Mm. a lot of reflection and self-work. So over the last three years, finances, marketing, um, customer retention strategy, impact, all of that was a mess. It really, really was. Thank God for Spark. They helped me out of it. But Mm. I had to also help myself. Uh, If I'm saying that I'm going to impact other people's lives, it also does start with the self. And putting aside every single thing that you battle for, uh, battle with, looking at it, working through it, doing the donkey work, I call it, because it's the work no one wants to do uh, within themselves. And once you master that, your business will fall into place. I promise you. Everything will work when you work within yourself. Josh. Yes. <laughs> Same question to you. Um, just about the journey. And, yes, and, and, and uh, better than the journey, the failures of yeah. the journey and what you learn <clears throat> from them. Um, yeah. I'm so speechless. I, I didn't just blow you off. From <laughs> okay. You know, when somebody's talking and you're thinking in your own life, exactly those points that you put in yeah. finance, yeah. you know, input, Everything. impact, impact. Everything. I'm with you, my sister. <laughs> I remember it, it takes me a lot to keep me quiet and you keep me quiet. <laughs> hey, Gareth. Um, <laughs> no comment. Josh failures <laughs> and uh, what what you learned um, from that? Yeah, like Impor is saying, uh, if you want to take the journey as an entrepreneur, um, you really have to be persistent. And like failure is almost a daily thing. Um, <laughs> so my my advice would be just to try and try to look forward to the challenges. Give us and, an example uh, of uh, an experience of failure that happened. Um, in so, your business. So we've been working on the product uh, for about a year now. And we had an app and uh, Dale and I went to India for two months to sort of trial it over there in Delhi. 
And the app was really just giving us so many problems. It, it was basically something we couldn't work with. And we had the market. We found that people who love the idea, they'd love to do it, but we just, we had a product that didn't really work. Mm. Um, so we worked on that and then persisted and, and now we've got a, a whole new product. It's a website that works on mobile as well. Mm. And, uh, it's just opened up to, to a whole new audience. And it works well. Imagine going all the way to to another country, to India, discovering that actually this doesn't – it's non-functional and then having to try and uh, you know, pull back or, or come back from that. Uh, there is a certain value in being able to have a partner along with you, isn't there? 100%. Yeah. Talk us through that a little. That, uh, I'd say that's, that's pretty vital. Um, especially one that's as passionate as you are. Mm. So, you know, in those sort of times, uh, it's very easy to, to live inside your head and mm. sort of dig a ditch and whatever. But if you've got somebody to bounce off. To pull you out. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, uh, that I'd say is, is pretty essential. And they say statistically, um, you know, all the successful sort of startups do have co-founders. Yeah. 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 Mm. Another thing I learned, um, I don't have a co-founder, but now I'm co-founding, if that's a word, projects with other people. Mm. And that has strengthened my business. And not every partnership is going to work out. Not everyone's going to be a perfect co-founder of an idea, a project, or an organization. But keep searching. You know, I think um, actually one, one venture capitalist said in a talk that I was listening to, solo entrepreneurs are high risk. Because if we invest our money into your business and you get hit by a bus tomorrow, God forbid, who's who's taking over? Who is it now our responsibility to make sure our money is is, is safe? Because mm. you were the only one running this whole thing. Mm. So I'd definitely advise entrepreneurs out there when you start something, please find a co-founder. Please, I wish I had. Yeah, I'd say hire firstly on passion, um, and then secondly on technical. If you can find a technical guy that's as passionate as you, then you've just hit uh, oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can teach and a skill, but you can't teach passion. Exactly. So if somebody's passionate, you can teach them anything thereafter. Yeah. And attitude. And attitude. Yeah. Attitude is everything. Yeah. So just to, um, I think, put the spotlight once again on Spark, tell us the best things, the best qualities, just qualities of what Spark gave to you in your business. They get, yeah. I'd say the perspective, um, not just the, the things that, uh, Pelissa and Aaron taught us, but, um, just talking to the other, uh, mm. entrepreneurs, mm. going through their battles and all that kind of stuff and relating to them. And, uh, it keeps you inspired in a sense. Mm. For lack of a better phrase, Spark really gave me balls. Love it. <laughs> they Love gave it. me balls. Love it. I was wondering what that little bump is. They really, you know, I, I tried to conceal it. That's the thing with these tight skirts, Josh. They gave Love me it. balls. Yeah. I walk into a room and I own it now because I, you know. What a compliment. Sorry to jump in again about Oprah. Now you know where my obsession lies. Oprah said once, you know, when you walk into a room, remember who you're walking in with. It's everybody that supports you. It's everybody that loves you. Actually, my Angelou said that. So when I walk into a room, whether it's a boardroom or it's a, an interview like today or I'm pitching, I remember everyone at Spark, everyone at Spark that's walking in with me. And that is irreplaceable. That, you can't even put money to that. Um, and so that's, that's really what's turned things around for me, knowing that I walk into every single space that my business operates in with the whole of Spark behind me. See, I love what you're saying, but I have to, put, I have to introduce a but here. The, uh, what is the difference between 
arrogance and confidence. Mm. So there's a right. there's a massive difference. There what, is a massive difference. And, and yeah. maybe we can wind down the conversation with an <laughs> with this answer. Uh, so from both of you, please, Paul. What is the difference between arrogance and confidence? For me, the difference is again back to the attitude that you that you bring with you. So. I'm confident that I can succeed in my business, but I'm not arrogant enough to think that I will never fail. So it's about knowing the extent to which you're also human and understanding that not everything that you do is necessarily of your own doing. Because once you get into the space of I am God, I control, I own, I, I'm the Lord over everything and I know it all and you know, no one can tell me anything. It's a dangerous space to be in. But mm. confidence says, I'm, I know what I'm doing because of how far I've come. I know what I'm doing because I've put the work in. I trusted the process, but I also know that I'm human and I can fail. Very nice. Uh, mm. Can, can you add to that? Um, I'd say it's very difficult to distinguish between the two sometimes because when you become an entrepreneur, you have a lot of people telling you that it can't be done. (laughs) That's almost like the definition of arrogance is just going against what everybody else says and saying, yes, it can be done. Um, But I'd say it's, it's vital to have confidence in what you're doing. Um, Especially at those times when uh, a lot of people say like, you know, when when a lady shivers and says, "What about the quality of the food and whatever?" Yeah, you have to you have to have a place that you can bounce back from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. And I just yeah, yeah go. sorry, just to add to that as well, because <laughs> you do get people who tell you naysayers, naysayers, but you also get people who puff you up a bit too much, mm. and then you become arrogant. It's like, <laughs> oh, you're doing such great work all yeah. the time. It's what you hear. So if, I think just as much as you don't listen to the naysayers, don't listen to everybody else who's also trying to puff up your arrogance. But there's also that and, fine uh, line of knowing when to graciously accept a compliment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's so important yeah. in our line of work, because yeah. that doesn't come very often. And so when somebody, we hope, means it, it's coming from an authentic space. Yeah. And those are probably most likely our mentors. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Josh? I'd say arrogance is pretty much when you decide to stop learning. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Love that. Yeah. That's love that. (laughs) And you know what? We have run out of time. So we're going to end on that. (laughs) Stop uh, learning or wanting to learn. Very, very nice. Awesome. Um, Josh and Paul, thank you for being in studio with us. It's been a fascinating conversation. We wish you all the best. We're going to be watching closely and we're going to have you back in studio to talk about your successes uh, a couple of years from now. And we'll, we'll, we hope to see you uh, just going from strength to strength. You two are going to do great. Things. Thank you so much. Thanks, it's, been, it's been really great. Thank you. All right, Pleasure. after the break, we're going to be talking debt. Pansy, get debt. Pansy. Pansy. Yeah. Cliffcentral.com.